We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Rick Green with you this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. You can call in to be a part of the program at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. I'm America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. You can find out more at patriotacademy.com. What I mean by America's Constitution coach is pretty simple. You know, I'm not a, a, a constitutional guru. I'm just a citizen just like you. And I love studying history and I love studying the Constitution and the proper role of government and what the Bible says about how government should work. And, you know, I don't know, what was it, 12 years ago? Yeah, 12 12 years ago. Boy, time flies. Uh, 12 years ago, I ran for Texas Supreme Court. I'd been a rep in Texas, served in the House, and decided to run for the court because we had these, you know, uh, frankly, uh, a wishy-washy Supreme Court in Texas. And and so I run for the court. I'm running around the state. I'm talking about the importance of, of constitutional jurisdictions and what the government should and should not do at the federal level, state level, local level. And then what the branches of government should do. What's the proper role of the court? What's the proper role of the legislature, proper role of the executive? Anyway, I'm running around the state talking about this stuff over and over again. And after the election, which I barely lost, by the way, and I'm trying not to be bitter. I don't think I'm bitter. No, it's 12 years. I'm not bitter. No, uh, but barely lost one vote per precinct, one vote per precinct. So if you think your vote doesn't count, folks, I'm telling you, my every election I've ever been in, it's been close. My first election for state rep, I lost by 20 votes. Out of 30,000, I mean, that's a decent-sized homeschool family, right? One family, 20 votes. Okay, maybe that's an exaggeration, but 20 votes is nothing. Anyway, we had a recount, ended up winning by 36 votes as a result of the of the recount, which was my lesson in election integrity. We were able to put our hands on every single ballot and identify who the person actually voted for, and there were something like 56 votes that were the machine read wrong, and I ended up winning by, by 36 votes. Uh, so you can, you know, every vote definitely, definitely counts. That was the legislature in 1998. And then in 2010, ran for the court, barely lost one vote per precinct across the state. But as a result of traveling around the, the state talking about the Constitution, people got curious. They wanted to study. They wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more because I would get questions and then I'd have to go study and find out what the answer to that question was. And so this friend of mine called me in, in Austin, Texas, and he says, hey, man, I think you should put together a Constitution class and we'll fill the room, man. We'll have we'll have you know people come in and we'll study the Constitution with you. Six weeks. We'll we'll meet once a week for six weeks, and uh, and dive into the Constitution. I said, I hope you're ready to buy me lunch and uh, or dinner, and it's just going to be you and me because nobody's going to show up to study the Constitution. I really didn't think they would. Uh, this was 2010. This is 12 years ago, and believe it or not, he gets about 50 people and they show up. And I, I've actually pared it down. I said, I'll do four weeks. I'll commit to four weeks because I still think nobody's going to show up. And he got them there. And so for four weeks, man, we were diving into executive orders. What's a constitutional executive order versus an unconstitutional executive order? We were talking about recess appointments. How does that work in the Constitution? We were talking about the proper role of the of the court versus the legislature. Who's supposed to make law? And, and if the legislature is supposed to make law, then what's the proper role of the court? Why are they even there? Uh, we were talking about the, the the myth of three equal branches of government. That's total lie. They're not equal. There, there, there is definitely a hierarchy. 
And, and it's very clear in the Constitution. It's very clear in the Federalist Papers and in the ratification debates throughout the throughout the 13 uh, states. So anyway, we're covering all these different topics. And at the end of every class, I would go on the social media and say, you know, hey, tonight we covered executive orders or whatever the topic was. And then people would post, at, you know, in my post in the comments, they would post and say, hey, would you come to Chehalis, Washington and cover that? Or would you come to, uh, you, you know, what, whatever, Florida or wh all these different cities all across the country? And I said, well, what do you know? Maybe people will study the Constitution. Let's go teach it. So I put together an, a, a full, you know, eight hour course. And we started going around the country and spending Saturdays teaching uh, the Constitution. And people would sit through an eight hour class. It just blew my mind. So then we made a video of it. And then after we made a, a video of the class, people started using the video of the class. And then I'm sitting in in uh, Nashville, Tennessee with David Barton. We're at the airport in Nashville at this uh, this restaurant there that has live music. And so we're trying to talk <laughs> with loud music. And and David says to me, he says, you know, I, I was telling him I, I needed to re-record the class because I'd been teaching it now for three or four years. And people always ask questions. I always tell people at the beginning of my class, you're going to stump me in the class. You're going to ask something I do not know the answer to. And that'll be my homework. That's great. I'll go study that. And then I'll I'll, you know, take that answer to that question and we'll, we'll add it to the class. And I, to me, that was actually kind of fun. I never had a problem saying, I don't know when someone would ask me a tough question or an easy question. Sometimes I don't know the easy answers. Anyway, so I was telling Barton, I was like, hey, man, I need to re-record this thing because I've learned so much since the first time. And he says, why don't you record it in Independence Hall? Why don't you record it in the room where the Constitution was created. And I laughed. I was like, oh, sure, yeah, that'd be great. I would love to do that. There's no way they would let me do that. And he's like, no, 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 I'll give you a number. The guy there, I did just did a recording there recently, and, and I, I bet you could probably do it. So believe it or not, I got to go into Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the cradle of liberty, in the room where the Constitution was created, where the Declaration was created. I mean, this is the cradle of liberty. This, this I love Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Now, today, very different story. You, you know, you're likely to get shot going to downtown Philadelphia these days. But, but 10, 10 years ago, so this was, let's see, 2014. So it would have been eight years ago. Um, no, 10 years ago in 2012, uh, we went there and we actually recorded the class. I got my years mixed up. I think it was somewhere in there. Anyway, we, we go there in the middle of the night because, you know, it's open for tours during the day. You, you know, we, we couldn't couldn't shut down the tours and all that. So the guy at Independence Hall, he's like, OK, if you'll come do it in the middle of the night, we'll give you a filming permit and you'll be able to, to record your constitution class here. So we had about, I don't know, 20, 25 people maybe that, that signed up to go with us and stay up all night, two nights in a row to film this class. So we filmed our constitution class in the room in the very room, Independence Hall, where the Constitution was created, which, as you can imagine, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I mean, I was I was in awe of even being in the room, but let alone getting to walk through all the different pieces of the Constitution that they created, plus the amendments, which which weren't created in that room. But uh, actually, the, the very next door in, in Congress halls where they where they did those things and uh, and then sent it back to the states. But we had such a good time filming that. Um, it was the middle of the night, which was, was even back then a little bit dangerous in downtown Philadelphia. So my buddy Sean Greener came with us and he provided security and uh, somehow managed to be uh, well armed and protect us as we were walking back to our uh, to our cars both of those nights. But we had a great time and we studied things that uh, needed to be restored, still need to be restored. But we just didn't know. We the people didn't know about those things. And so we put all of that in those videos. And then something really crazy happened. 
we put those videos out. We called it Constitution Alive. Actually, Sean Greener is one that came up with that, too. So we called it Constitution Alive. And David and I then turned around and recorded, David Barton and I recorded in his library so that he could pull all this cool stuff off the shelves, all these original documents. And so we combined my teaching in Independence Hall with the teaching in David Barton's library. We put that out there as Constitutional Live. And we thought, you know, people will watch it at home that maybe maybe watch it with their kids. Maybe a few Sunday schools will, will do it as a Sunday school class. And I'm telling you, it blew our mind. I mean, all of a sudden, we started seeing people ordering 10, 15, 20 extra workbooks and then 50 extra workbooks. And and my buddy Ken Davis in Colorado, I'd see him every year at a business conference and be like, Rick, I need more workbooks, man. I had three classes this year and I've already taught. You know, he's put maybe thousands of people through the class now. He does it, does the class every year, multiple times a year. And that started happening all over the country. And that's how we ended up creating the Constitution Coach Program, because we realized guys like Ken Davis and others around the nation were doing these classes and, and more and more people were learning these principles of liberty. And we wanted to, to take what they were doing and create sort of a train the trainer program where we could train more and more people to teach those things around the country. And that's how the whole Constitution Coach Program grew. That's why I, here I am 10 minutes later into the story. But that's why I got the nickname America's Constitution Coach, because we started training all these other Constitution Coaches instead of just me going around the country and hosting these classes. And I've had, you know, probably, I don't know, 100, 100, maybe 200,000 people actually go through the class with me. But now we've had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of others go through the class on video and go through the class you know, with their own coaches or they've become coaches. I think we're up to, we're, we're well over 13,000 constitution coaches across the country now hosting these classes, teaching a biblical worldview of government and a constitutional perspective so that people understand the proper role of government and the limited jurisdictions of government. So it is a truly hopeful time, folks. All of the things that, that are happening right now in the culture, all the negative stuff that you're seeing, it's caused people to awaken. They're studying. They're, they're going into the Bible and saying, what are the answers to all these problems that we face? They're going into uh, the, the Constitution itself and into their state constitutions. And then you have a Supreme Court now. All of a sudden, I mean, the thing, very things we've been teaching in our Constitution classes all these years, we now see the Supreme Court actually ruling on those things in the right way. And what I mean by those things is not necessarily the issue things like for instance, life, but the jurisdictional question of who should decide, who should make these decisions. And that's the proper role of the United States Supreme Court. There's, they are supposed to be the umpires. They are supposed to say, hey, Mr. President, you can't do that. That's not something that the federal government's allowed to do, or certainly not something just one person should be able to do in the executive branch. Or, hey, uh, Congress, you, you don't have the power in the Constitution to do all of these different things. Or, hey, uh, bureaucracy. You don't have the power to do that. That's what they just said in the West Virginia uh, versus the EPA case. Hey, EPA, you, you can't make up the law on your own. You're a bunch of bureaucrats. Who hired you? you? You're not hired by the American people to make law. You're not hired by the American people to decide that coal should be 28% of the grid, the electric grid, instead of 38% or whatever the numbers were. This is crazy. You're a bunch of unknown bureaucrats trying to make law for the American people. You're unaccountable. No, not going to happen. Congress makes law. Congress makes law. And the only constitutional laws that they make are when they make law within the 17 enumerated powers that they have in the Constitution. Now, I wish that the U.S. Supreme Court had gone that far and said, 
There is no EPA in the Constitution. There is no Center for Demented Confusion known as the CDC in the Constitution. I wish they'd wipe those out. They didn't go quite that far, but they did at least say the bureaucracy can't make up law that the Congress has not given them the authority to do, make up things that the Congress has not given them the authority to do. So these Supreme Court decisions, whether it's uh, returning the abortion debate to the states, and of course we want to end abortion completely, and, and we'll do that at the federal level through a constitutional amendment once we win over enough hearts and minds to do that, and that's going to take some time. But at least right now, we have a Supreme Court that's saying it should not be the Supreme Court making this decision. And so we're giving it back to the states. The states will debate this, and eventually the states will do a constitutional amendment and over, outlaw abortion completely in this country. I do believe we will get there. Um, Second Amendment, upholding the right to keep and bear arms. Freedom of religion, upholding your right to to, to, to worship and, and to live out your faith wherever you, you might be. All of these victories are a result of the court restoring constitutional jurisdictions. And so here on AFA at the core, I love talking about those proper jurisdictions because the core principles that we're fighting for, that we're standing for at AFA, the principles of liberty that allow us to live out our faith, allow us to raise our children as we see fit, allow us to, to, to live our faith in a way that, that we form our businesses in a way that honors God, that we as employees work in a way that, that honors God. All of these biblical applications of life require a government and require a system of freedom so that we can make those decisions. If you don't have the principles of liberty, if you don't have constitutional limitations on government, then it's almost impossible to live out your biblical worldview in every area of your life. It doesn't mean you can't still serve God in a communist country and 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 have to, you know, limit that to to your personal relationship and maybe your family relationships, but then you can't be someone that lives it out in the way that you create a business environment or some of those other things. So all of these things work together, and it begins with our understanding of what God says we should do in terms of forming our our neighborhoods, our, our states, and our nation. And that's why I'm going to talk so much about the jurisdiction of government, the proper jurisdiction of government, and what limited government actually means. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can call in today to 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green. You're listening to AFA at the core. when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Full weaponization of the federal government to crush a political opponent. Politicians and a political party that build themselves as pro-life while refusing to actually do what's in their power to stop the killing of little babies. The successful and unrelenting advance of regressivism. All of these are signs that our national condition is not merely a natural phenomenon, it's spiritual. Civic engagement without spiritual engagement produces political roller coasters. National course correction will only come by national repentance. We must elevate him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III 
public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. It's always exciting when a celebrity embraces Jesus as the Savior in a public place like on social media. Some of today's biggest celebrities, like musicians and actors, are embracing Christ, and the world is noticing. Talk to your girl about what it means to put your faith on display. Discuss the challenges and the blessings that come with being a part of the Christian community. Help your girl to discover she has the power to make a difference for Christ in our world the same way a celebrity does. Together, pray for those with great influence in our world and for those who feel like their voice doesn't matter. Pray for courage and faith, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. This is Bible League International. Thank God your pastor wasn't attacked on Sunday, but it happened to Pastor Nepo recently while preaching in Burundi, Africa. Twenty radicals dragged him down the aisle to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death because he's been faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims and nearly 200 have come to Christ in his village where Christians are attacked daily. Anyone who comes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior are easily persecuted. In coastal India, Jayanth planted a church in a village with no Christians and today more than half of that village follows Christ, but it did not come easy. His house was burned down twice, his wife was assaulted, and many in the church have been threatened with death, but they're not praying for an end to their suffering. They're praying for Bibles to endure and persevere. We're halfway to our goal to send God's Word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers, and we need to wrap up in a week. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for Caring. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green with you this afternoon. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, call in to 888 589 8840. That's 888 589 8840. We've been talking about the principles of liberty, limited government, all of those things. And, of course, it affects you. This isn't some philosophical discussion. It affects you. What government decides in these areas, especially with the economy, has a huge impact on your life. And if the government dumps $10 trillion on the market during a 99.9% survivable virus and tells people to stay home and not work and pays them to stay home and not work, basically bribes them to stay home and not work. So now they've got more money in their pocket to go spend in the market, but nobody's out there working. Guess what? That might cause a little bit of inflation. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening out there in terms of inflation and what others are saying the cause of it is. The president changes his story every other day. Chris Woodward with us. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. What is going on out there? And what are people blaming inflation on? Are they buying the president's um, a shell game here of, oh, it's one day it's Putin, one day it's uh, supply chains that he has nothing to do with. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Chris. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, left, right, and center, center uh, do agree that uh, spending has been an issue, uh, but energy has also um, been one of the main drivers. Um, and granted, this is the same government uh, that doesn't want us to go after our domestic energy sources. Um, and so if we're having issues with his own administration spending more money um, and also 
not fixing our energy crisis. All that is uh, contributing to this perfect storm that we're having with inflation. Uh, everybody from consumers to businesses is having to pay more due to um, things caused by his policies. And I actually have a, a soundbite here. It's not good news, but it needs to be said. Mm. I don't get to pick the news often. Uh, I just get to uh, share the things people are telling me. Uh, I've got yeah. a soundbite here from economist E.J. Antoni of the Heritage Foundation, and he says, buckle up, folks. It's probably most likely going to get worse. So mm. if you look at the producer price index, for example, which measures inflation at the wholesale level, that is the price that businesses are having to pay before they can pass on costs to consumers, wholesale inflation has uh, run hotter than the consumer price index for literally every single month of the Biden presidency. In other words, there are a lot of cost increases that still have yet to be passed on to consumers. So for example, even as diesel prices come down, the previous increases in diesel prices still need to be passed on by businesses to consumers. So we are going to continue to have inflation for months to come. On top of that, as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, the effect on inflation of their policies has a long and variable lag to it. Just because they raise interest rates today does not mean prices are going to come down today. It's going to take months and, in fact, even more than a year before those policies have their full effect. And, you know, Rick, this is the big issue facing a lot of voters. Uh, there's been all kinds of polls. There's been news articles about this, about the issues voters are planning to take with them into the booth. Um, Biden, of course, wants people to vote over the uh, Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade. But inflation, inflation, inflation is what is uh, on the minds of everybody at their dinner yeah. tables, at their office, whatever it is. And uh, that is going to be uh, something he's going to have to deal with after the midterm elections. It's real, Chris. It is real. People are feeling feeling the pain. And and, and just to kind of make this practical in, 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 in what people are really going through here. So that wholesale price index. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I was just, I was just at my, uh, uncle Charlie's, uh, rib shack the other night, best ribs on the planet. If you're ever in you're Haskell, dieting Arkansas, again. go to yeah. Charlie's rib shack. And, and we were talking about this very same thing. And I was asking him, so how, how difficult is it for you right now just to get the ribs, get the baked beans, get the, all the other stuff that you're making. And this, think about this example. He tells me that, that just the baked beans that he buys so that he can then turn around and cook them and sell them to you when you go up to his rib shack. Mm -hmm have doubled, doubled, Chris. That's a 200% increase, 200% inflation for him on what he can. And so, of course, he has to go up on the price that he charges, mm -hmm. which means we all experience it. But that's just now happening to him after all of these supply chain issues. So I think the story you're telling is exactly right. That's now catching up in the wholesale market, which means we're all going to start feeling it when we go pay for the food or we pay for the car or we pay for the the gas is going to continue uh, to go up. My dad and I have a, a rental house in Gonzales. He's repairing some stuff there. Two by fours, just a two by four has more than doubled in price. So I don't know where they get this 9.1% inflation when those kinds of things are at a 200% mm -hmm. increase. How do, how do we how do we figure out what the actual uh, inflation number is when they're telling us it's only 9%, but we feel like we're paying twice as much everywhere. That's a very good question. Uh, and certainly, I think, <clears throat> as EJ and Tony pointed out, we're going to find out more of where things really are going later into the year. So I may have a better answer for you, but certainly uh, that's a very good point. One of the other things, too, and this has kind of gotten lost in the news cycle, talking about the uh, restaurant owner there, he's facing all these higher prices. He's probably... Uh, has no idea who's going to even show up to work that day to cook the baked beans. 
because it's yeah. hit or miss whether or not you actually have a dependable workforce. Some people want to work two, three days a week now if they even show up for that. Yeah, and and again, government created, right, because of the government policies. Now, Uncle Charlie's got an advantage because Aunt Jenny and my cousins are the ones that typically oh. work. So if it's family, you got a little more leverage. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know where they sleep. But I hear exactly <laughs> what you're saying. It, I mean, I hear that all the time. And, I, I mean, we've watched restaurants that are only open at certain uh, days because they can't get people to work or mm-hmm. they end up closing when they thought they were going to be open. Uh, it's like that across the board, and it, and it's it's created havoc in the marketplace. And and people like to blame COVID, but it's not COVID. It's the reaction of government to COVID, the overreaction of government yeah. to COVID that created all this, and it has a real impact on us. Uh, it's 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 a it's a you know unfortunately something that that's causing people to lose faith and and, and start thinking, man, you know, uh, have we lost the American dream? It's not that bad, folks. We can turn this around, but it takes good policies. And speaking of turning it around. Chris, we've seen some some polling data that that's actually saying that, um, you know, th- that the turnaround at the court is causing Democrats uh, to no longer even want the court. The very right. court that, by the way, for 60 years gave the left everything they wanted and made up law mm-hmm. in order to give them those things. Now, that same Supreme Court is saying um, that was wrong. We shouldn't be making law. We're going to we're going to remove ourselves from the equation and give the lawmaking back to the elected representatives. How do the Democrats feel about that now? Yeah, Democrats are not happy with the Supreme Court, and of course, they've been mad uh, ever since Donald Trump got elected and nominated justices like Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Um, So they've been mad for a while, but they're really mad now that the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which is what something people have called for for decades, really, because the Supreme Court should never have ruled the way they did in 1973 when it came to Roe v. Wade. But I digress. Uh, There is a poll out there from the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen Reports, two well-respected organizations, and it finds, among other things, 64% of Democrats favor expanding the Supreme Court from 9 to 13 justices. This is so-called court packing that they've been pushing for a long time now. But where it really gets interesting is 53% of Democrats, a majority of Democrats now, say they would, quote, abolish the current Supreme Court and replace it with a new democratically elected Supreme Court. Wow. Whoa. 53% aren't getting what they want from the court. The very court they praised for the last 50 years and and lambasted people like me when I taught that the court's outside its jurisdiction and shouldn't be doing those things. And they said, you're undermining the credibility of the supreme court and yada 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 Mm -hmm. now they want to (laughs) abolish the supreme court and go to a system of elected justices that's wild yeah and the other crazy thing here is they you know they have said the court is too politicized now so on some bizarre scenario they now want to politicize it even further by electing ours people people vote for all kinds of reasons this i think will only make um, elections even that much more political. But anyway, I do have some reaction here from an attorney. Uh, it's Jeremy Dice of First Liberty Institute, which is long. Oh, he's been great. A, yeah, yeah, long been a critic of uh, so-called court packing here. So uh, here now is Jeremy weighing in on the uh, this polling data from Heartland and Rasmussen. I think it's tragic that the uh, that a major party in this country would have so many that would think that it is a good idea to upend what is the uh, the envy of the free world, the Constitution of the United States, that calls for an independent but equal branch of our federal government to be just simply abolished. Uh, packing the court is one thing, uh, adding justices there and making whatever changes and recommendations that the president has advocated for, that's that's political uh, routine at this point, but to call for the court to be completely abolished uh, in a country that values freedom and the rule of law is just simply shocking. 
And you can read more about this at AFN.net. Chris, so good, man. I, I mean, in terms of of just exposing, I think the left and 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 you know, for for, for the, them to have praised the court all these years for making law that they wanted, mm-hmm. and now for the court to say, hey, we don't have the authority to do that. We're actually, I mean, this is the first time in my lifetime that I've I've, I've seen federal actors or participants willing to say, I don't have authority under the constitution. So I'm not going to act that is, that takes restraint, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for them to do that. And now for these Democrats to say, now we just want to get rid of the court completely. I mean, of course, shouldn't shock us, right? I mean, we've seen the protesting at Supreme court justices houses, right. we've seen assassination attempt on a Supreme court justices. So the left is willing to go pretty far. Of course, they would be willing to, to abolish, uh, uh, abolish the court. Chris, was there anything in that poll? Do you, do, do you know if there's anything on, on, did it poll Republicans on this or anybody else? Or was this just a, of Democrats? Yeah, it polled, uh, people of all, uh, political backgrounds. It was a poll of 1,025 likely voters from July 6th, uh, through the July 7th. So after the Supreme court reversal of Roe v. Wade, uh, when it comes to Republicans, uh, you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of about 75% of Republicans, uh, said they uh, hold the Supreme Court in high regard. Uh, you know, they're fine with it being what it is, even after those rulings that they didn't like uh, for all these years. Wow. Well, I- I'll tell you, guys like Jeremy over at First Liberty Institute, these are the guys and gals that are on the front lines. They've been arguing at the Supreme Court. They've got cases. The Co- Coach Kennedy case was First Liberties. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these big cases. So they're really attuned to what's going on in the judiciary and, and, and with the court. Um, and, and I'm so thankful for them. And of course, they've also got a website, Supreme coup, I think.com is the name yes. of it, where mm-hmm. they're uh, following this whole effort to pack the court and completely change things. So it's a good thing that, that years ago, uh, people like this, uh, like Kelly Shackelford that, that started first Liberty and others said, you know, God's called me into this mission field of the law and I'm going to go, honor God in, 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 in biblical and constitutional ways in this arena. So I'm so thankful for Jeremy and Kelly and the others at First Liberty keeping an eye on these things uh, for us. But I, I guess, I guess, Chris, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I think if you, if you don't believe in the rule of law and in principles, then it's kind of a Machiavellian view of just in justifies the means, whatever it takes. So if they can't get what they want out of the court, then they, whatever the end, you know, whatever the, the the means are to get to what they really want, doesn't matter. So constitutional yeah. principles, getting rid of the U.S. Supreme Court. I, I mean, I never thought I would hear that in in my lifetime from the left, but I guess it makes sense if if they're not getting what they want, they want to change the rules. Right. Well, and you know, keep in mind that a lot of these people are in favor that uh, you should be able to kill a child uh, in the womb yeah. because it's an inconvenience. So if you're okay with killing a baby because it's a quote unquote inconvenience, nothing else on planet earth is going to bother you, including mm. getting rid of nine justices and replacing it with a system that our founders did not call for. Oh, uh, that's a great point, man. That's, you know, that's why so many people, you know, we, we've said for a long time, that's the number one issue because it'll tell you where someone is on all the other issues. If they're willing to kill a baby in the womb, they're probably not going to be for equal justice or blind justice. They're not going to be for limited government. They're not going to protect your pocketbook from government if they're mm-hmm. not willing to protect your life when you're in the womb. So it really is the biggest indicator. It really is, yeah. And, you know, uh, obviously, I don't 
they, I don't see them changing it anytime soon, which is why it's on us uh, as pro-lifers, as Christians, as conservatives to stand firm and actually, you know, witness to these people uh, to try to share our points of view. Don't cower from them, uh, but try to convey your message as best you can to them in a polite way. So that way we can win them over to our side of things. That's right, man. That t- and that takes courage. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people are afraid to speak up and speak truth. As you said, in a polite way, speak, speak the truth in love. But my goodness, speak the truth because mm-hmm. the culture is desperate for it right now. And and I, I and I understand why people don't because of the cancel culture right. and, or, or they don't want to lose the relationship with the member of the family or whoever it is. But, man, we got to get over all of that and say, listen, let's let's have robust you know discussion and debate and be or at least be willing to ask questions to try to get them to think through these things. So finding that courage. I was just with Heidi St. John on her podcast and and she said the exact same thing. It's getting people to find courage to speak truth uh, is, is what it's going to take to turn the culture around. I think that's absolutely true. Yes. Well, Chris, what uh, what else you got out there that, that's happening uh, that we should know about and, and and let our listeners know about? I think if we if we if we're watching the polling on uh, on where people are on the court issue, I think that's going to be really important because um, it was actually the number one issue in two thousand twenty in two thousand sixteen in terms of how people voted was whether or not their presidential candidate was going to appoint justices that would uphold the Constitution or would give them what they wanted uh, that drove both sides, I think, both Democrats and Republicans. So following that polling is going to continue to be important going through 2022 into 2024. The inflation issue, as you said, is probably going to affect how people vote in the Mm -hmm. 2022 election, even though the Democrats, of course, want it to be about uh, they think they're going to win on Roe v. Wade. I I mean, what do you think? I, I, I think people are that's no longer a winning issue for them. I think that with a with the four D images, people are becoming more pro life. I, I think they're 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 kind of uh, they're they're underestimating the pro life cause in America. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, part of the reason why Joe Biden, uh, Speaker Pelosi, and a lot of other people uh, with a D next to uh, their name, why they're saying you know this issue uh, involving Roe v. Wade is on the ballot this November. First of all, it's not on the ballot. It's not a national you know amendment or referendum or something we're all voting on. They're basically wanting you uh, to go and vote um, and you know put their preferred candidates in office. The reason they're doing that, I think, is to get people away from the segment that we started with, or the topic we started with, inflation and energy. There are a lot of people, including Democratic voters, that cannot afford to go to work, they cannot afford to feed their kids, and those issues are front and center on the minds of voters, not Roe v. Wade. Uh, I think you're right, man. I think you're 100% right. Chris Woodward, appreciate you, man. Thank Thank you for coming on with us this afternoon. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We've got your calls. Uh, the the phones uh, are lit up, and I will get to those as soon as we come back from the break. If you would like to join those callers with a comment or question, the phone number is 888-589-8840. Stay with us. You're listening to AFA at the Core. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. A pregnant, homeless 18-year-old girl 
a 60-year-old woman worn from the weight of a tough life, a young woman in her 20s crying for the right to murder an unborn baby. It may sound like their lives are worlds apart, but they have more in common than you think. Rebecca Davis shares their stories in the article, Row No More. The ending will have you on your knees in prayer and in praise. Take time to read this article today. You'll be glad you did. Go to afa.net slash the stand. When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a preborn center where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're gonna get through it and it's gonna be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. To find out more about the ministry of Preborn, visit them online at preborn.com Again, that's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Your love can save a life. If you haven't switched to MediShare yet, two big reasons to at least consider it and why it makes so much sense right now. Number one's inflation, which is just affecting everything. It makes sense to say, okay, where can I actually save? Well, you could save a lot in one fell swoop if you switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month. Secondly, your conscience. MediShare members aren't forced to pay for things they don't support or believe in. And that's a big deal for a lot of people right now. They want their money to actually help people. And one more reason, you can trust MediShare. It's been the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works and members love it too. It has double the customer satisfaction rating compared to health insurance. So now's a great time to consider making the switch and they're very easy to talk to. MediShare has great customer service. You can even get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to PatriotAcademy.com. Looking for your calls right now, 888-589-8840. And the first caller of the day is, oh, I lost my notes. Here we go. Okay, it's Ricky in Louisiana. Ricky. How you doing, man? Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Green. I really enjoy everything you have to say. Believe me, if you was, in, if you was the president, we'd we'll be back to normal in 30 days. But anyhow. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you, I appreciate that. Sure. You said something earlier at the beginning of the program, which like, you know, separation of uh, uh, church and state is not in the Constitution. You said that the, the I've always, always heard the three separate branches, but equal. And you said they're not. So in pecking order, which one's the most important and on down? Or who can- Great question, one, Ricky. Thank you very much for, for, for calling in with that. Yeah. In fact, you know, we still teach that in the schools. It's all about three equal branches of government. You see it all over the place. In fact, the founders were very, very clear that the legislature, this is what, uh, in fact, uh, Madison says in Federalist, I think it's 51. He says that the legislature necessarily predominates. In other words, it dominates. It's the most powerful 
branch. And what he meant by that and explains is that's the ones you can hold accountable the fastest. So the House of Representatives, because they have to run every two years, if they mess things up, if they get outside their authority, you at least have the tools. It doesn't mean we use them, but it means the tools are there to fire them within two years. And so that's why we give them the most power, because they're the, the ones that can be held accountable the fastest. And then Alexander Hamilton talks about in Federalist 78 how the le- how the judiciary, I'm sorry, the judiciary, the, the, the Supreme Court, is the weakest of the three branches. In fact, Hamilton said you would never have to worry about losing your liberty to the court. <laughs> now, some people think he got it wrong, but that's because they don't read the rest of the of the of the letter there. But he goes on to say, I mean, so long as they stay in their lane. That wasn't his words, but that's my words. But as long as they stay in their lane, they they don't get over. He went and it goes on to talk about if they ever get over into the executive branch where you enforce the laws or into the legislative branch where you make the law. Then he said you would have everything to fear from the court. So that's what the court did for the last 60 years. It got over into the legislative branch and was making law. What this new Supreme Court, this new majority on the Supreme Court is doing is they're saying that's not right. We should not be making law. So we're removing ourselves from those areas that we shouldn't be making law. And our job is to uphold the law. Our job is to apply the law. Our job is to uh, basically make decisions whenever there's a deb- debate about what the law means. Our law, our, our job is to make sure that the federal government doesn't make law that violates the Constitution itself. And so when the court stays in, in that lane and does those things, it may be the weakest of the three branches, but it's still important in the, in the, in the proper uh, separation of, of powers. So in terms of hierarchy, Ricky, the the legislature, the Congress is the most powerful branch. The president is second, and then the court is the weakest. That was the design of the founding fathers. Unfortunately, 60 years ago, the court flipped that on its head, took all that power and said, we're going to make law now. And the Constitution doesn't even matter. We're going to create what's called the courts. I call it the Constitution, where they're literally making up law on their own. It's the witch's brew of these folks standing around in black robes and throwing a phrase in here and a phrase in there. And we have this confusing law with all these tests like the lemon test. And what this new Supreme Court, this new majority is doing is they're getting rid of all these complicated, confusing tests like the lemon test. And they're saying, no, we're going back to constitutional jurisdictions, limitations on government and and proper separation of powers. Great question, Ricky. I, I should have explained that better earlier, uh, but not three equal branches of government. They're very, very, very much not equal instead of being equal. OK, second caller today is Randy from uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Randy, I guess also from Louisiana. What's with the R's from Louisiana? But Randy. Andy in Louisiana. Go ahead, man. Hey, uh, how's it going? Hey, man, doing well. Thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. I just got two things for you. Uh, one is that video you were mentioning earlier where you were filming in Independence Hall. Is that something that we're able to watch online without a like subscription or anything? And also, yeah. too, is uh, do you guys have something with uh, homeschoolers that – parents can use to educate our children more about the Constitution and how federal government works, but it's more geared to a younger audience. Boy, Randy, man, I love calls like you. People are going to think I set this call up, but I didn't. I don't know, Randy. I promise you. Uh, two great questions. First of all, yes, all of our Constitution classes are free. So you can go to patriotacademy.com or constitutioncoach.com, either one, and you can sign up for free, and it'll give you all of those classes. You, you, you sign up as a Constitution Coach, but you don't have to know anything about any of this. Most of our coaches have never done anything like this, and once you sign up, you get a really cool coach dashboard with, with Constitutional Live videos, 
Biblical Citizenship in Modern America videos. Uh, Kirk, Car Kirk Cameron's new course, American Campfire Revival, is in there. So you get all of that for free, and you can watch it with your friends and family in your house, or you can do it at your church or however you want to do it, or you can just watch it by yourself. All of that at PatriotAcademy.com. And then to your second question for the kiddos, we have um, th the main thing we have for the kids at Patriot Academy is called Chasing American Legends. It's a fun reality show where we go do history mysteries. Like we go to Lexington and say, we, we ask the question, who shot first? Was it the British or the Americans that shot her around the world in 1775? Who was it that fired that shot? And uh, we go to MLK's uh, where he grew up and we we uh, investigate the, the question of was he a communist? Because people claim that uh, he wasn't, by the way. And um, so we, we do these really fun history mystery things. And the kids actually reenact we reenacted the Battle of the Monongahela where George Washington was 23 years old and had the horses shot out from under him and the bullet holes in his jacket. And uh, we actually uh, take comedian Brad Stein and we, uh, as as homeschoolers would do, we created we made these musket uh, paintball guns and we shot Brad Stein. He pretended he was George Washington and he had to survive for three minutes instead of three hours like Washington did. Anyway, we make it really really fun. That's called Chasing American Legends. That's for the whole family. That's also there at patriotacademy.com. Okay, next caller is Steve in Iowa. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Hi. Would you take a moment? Yeah, go to ahead. Explain, explain to people the seven steps that the Marxists use to create an, a situation where they can come in and take over. All right, man, I've, I've only got a few minutes left of the whole program, so I don't have time for seven steps. Why don't you give us the first one? Okay, well, the other thing is the, the one remark made my mouth as they tell me, all power grows out of the barrel of a rifle. You need to repeat that every five minutes because that's the very first thing the Marxists want to do is to take our guns away from us. And then we become mm. slaves. And thank you for Patriot Academy. Thank you for everything you're doing. I wish mm. everybody here could listen to you at the same time. You're great. Oh, Steve, thank you, man. God bless you, brother. Well, I appreciate that. Um, one way they can listen is go to patriotacademy.com, sign up as a constitution coach, <laughs> and then everybody can take the classes together. But uh, I appreciate your call, man, and I wish we could go through all of that with you on, on Marxism because that is, I mean, that's that's exactly what's what's happening. There's a cultural Marxist poison that that has been poured into the minds of our children for for really two generations now and it, and the university system has been the hotbed of this and we've let it happen we, we've let it happen and we funded it I, I mean that's the part that just blows my mind we paid for the indoctrination of our own children we paid for them to to poison the minds of our children and now our children and when i say that i mean in general i i have you know obviously if you're listening to this program you probably didn't do that but as a culture, we did. I know my state legislature in Texas, 20 billion or something like that a year uh, that goes to these indoctrination schools that we call universities. And most people support that because they support the football team. Folks, we got to start looking past the alma mater and the football team and start looking at what's happening to the children of America. And this Marxism that Steve is talking about is being poured into these children. That's why they're marching in the streets for things that, that are anti-biblical, that are based on lies. Uh, it, it's, it's an evil, evil thing, and it's going to take time to turn this thing around. We can. We can do it. We can turn it around, but it's going 
to take time. Uh, and we've got to we've got to realize what we're up against. And I think that's really what Steve's saying is, is hey, l- let's go through those steps of Marxism and what they've been doing. So maybe maybe I'll try to do that a, a little bit next week. I think I'm with you four of the five days, maybe all five days. I can't remember. But anyway, so we'll, we'll do that. We'll talk more about cultural Marxism and what they're doing to try to turn the uh, culture and, and how they have succeeded. I mean, let's face it. They're winning. They have been winning. The left has been winning. I think that is has now been uh, stopped in its tracks. And I think America is awake. And I think we have a chance to push this back, but it's going to take a generation to do it. Really good call. I, I appreciate you calling in, Steve. Okay, uh, another Steve. This is so weird, man. All of our calls today sound so similar. Another Steve, but this one in Texas. Steve, go ahead, man. What's your comment or question today? Okay. Dobbs is, thank God it saves lives. It Amen, saves it does. Lives. Okay. But it also return states' rights. It, and in effect, although it's too late, it reverses uh, Dred Scott uh, that caused the Civil War where 600,000 people died. Now, in Europe, in England, Parliament simply passed a law stopping slavery. Zero lives lost. See how it's better when the legislature decides instead of a court? The court did the right thing by refusing power. And this goes all the way back to to Marshall. Uh, Chief Justice Marshall messed up our court system with his case precedent after John Jay. John Jay had it right. And Justice Marshall and Marbury V. Madison messed up. Our courts, by giving them a license for more authority than they had. And well, then it's. I'm sorry, go ahead. A, a countrywide 200 year change of case pressing back to the original framing of our forefathers. Yes. No, that's why it's so huge what has happened in the last few weeks. These decisions by the Supreme Court are, are not. These are not small. These are massive. And 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 because they're, they're changing not just a particular issue like life, which is, of course, the main issue, uh, but they're also changing the structure of who makes decisions. And and we should always ask that in any in any discussion about politics or government. Uh, the number one question is who decides who has the authority and the power to make that decision. And, and in a proper constitutional republic, you split that up among a lot of different groups and people. And so sometimes it is a decision for the federal government. Sometimes that's proper. Uh, military questions. The, the, the border should be a federal question. The federal government should decide um, how many immigrants come into the country every year. Now, it should always be legal immigrants, not illegal. The federal government, it, there shouldn't even be a decision to make about whether or not to allow illegal immigration. They absolutely should stop illegal immigration and allow legal immigration. So that sh- shouldn't even be a, a question. Unfortunately, because they're not doing their job, there's a backup plan. So we have this separation of powers and Article 4, Section 4 uh, gives that decision to the federal government in, in terms of they're supposed to stop an invasion at the border. But since they're not doing it, then Article 1, Section 10 gives the backup plan to the states. So the states can, can let me be very clear, they absolutely constitutionally have the authority to seal the border, to stop what's happening at the border right now. 
uh, it's an invasion. There's no doubt about it. So so even though the the initial jurisdiction is at the federal level, when they fail, there's a backup that goes to the states and the states can actually do that. So there's a proper role for the federal government. There's a proper role for the court to make certain decisions. But I, I just have to emphasize, Steve is so right. Th- these decisions are saving lives and that is huge. But they're also restructuring the table. They're resetting the table to a proper constitutional authority for the feds in some ways, for the states in other ways, and for the local government in other ways. And then, of course, there's proper authority at the family level and at the church level. So I I talked about at the beginning of the program, great way to end the program today. Jurisdictions should be on in every discussion about government. Who decides? Who gets this authority? And if we did not give the authority to that particular level of government, then it is not a just authority, a just power. As the Declaration says, the only just powers of government come from the consent of the governed. So if we did not tell the federal government, you have authority to do, I don't know, health care, agriculture, education, whatever the issue might be. If we, did, if we did not give them authority, and how do you give them authority? The only way to give the federal government authority is through the Constitution itself. Everything Congress does has to be within that authority. You don't give new authority to the federal government by electing a congressman that wants to give them authority. That's not that's a pure republic. We're not that. We're a constitutional republic. So if you want to add authority, add jurisdiction to a level of government, then the people have to do that through an amendment to the Constitution. Uh, and that's the you know, th- those are the proper ways to do this. We've got to get back to that. We, that takes education. It takes hard work. I mean, you don't amend the Constitution quickly. It takes time to do that. Right now, we need amendments to the Constitution not to give the federal government authority, but to take back the authority that they stole. So the Constitution is the tool to do that, and that's why we study it so much. That's why at Patriot Academy, we give away these classes. We want to make sure that people are educated on these things. We want to make sure that they uh, that they know how to do this properly, peacefully. All of, all of that is required um, by a people that want to live in freedom and by us as, as believers, as Christians. We have to say, I'm going to follow the Bible on these things. I'm going to actually take a biblical worldview, combine that with constitutional civics and understanding of how government works, and I'm going to be a good biblical citizen. That's what we're going to always talk about here at AFA uh, at the core is how do you live this thing out? How do you follow the instruction of God in the Bible, and how do you do it in a constitutional republic? I so appreciate you listening today. I th- I'm so thankful for all the callers that called in today. Thank you for being a part of AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green. Look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks for listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.